0: Let pray for us, Lord would you come and, and speak to us about how you are our shepherd so we could feel deeply in our souls what we just sang about and uh, let this message uh, make your spirit really come alive in our hearts, we pray this in Christ's name, amen. Yes, happy Mother's Day, uh, <clears throat> Mother's Day uh, has become more significant to me over the years from when I was a kid. Uh, and the reason why is because first of all, my, I've seen my wife mother for 12 years now. And so I have come to appreciate the amount of love and self-sacrifice that a mother pours forth for her children. Um, and, uh, and so I'm in awe of, of my wife in many ways. But also because I lost my mom when I was 18, actually. And you know, the theme of that one of the, the, the themes of how that affects me or the, when I think about it is I lost her at a time where I didn't yet appreciate her. You know what I mean? It's, you, when, you're a, when you're a kid, maybe, especially a boy, especially if you're me, uh, she wasn't like a human being. You know what I mean? She was my mother. And so it wasn't until later, much later, actually, as I began, as I began to live life and go through the struggles of life and get married and have kids, how much I grieved. The loss of that relationship, and how much it could have bloomed and blossomed into so much more than than it was, and how I could have appreciated her for more than just being a mother. Um, and so, uh, you know, and that's actually kind of the theme of of today's message. We're in the book of Zechariah, and Zechariah is generally a very positive book. It's about um, God is restoring His people to glory. He's going to come. He's going to redeem them. But in the chapter 11, uh, it's, it's kind of a negative. It's kind of a doomsday passage. And it's about the fact that God's people um, have their shepherd. So it's a similar idea to, to, to motherhood where we need to appreciate our mothers when we have them. Um, except the theme is about shepherding. God's people had their shepherd and they didn't appreciate who he was and ultimately rejected him. And this idea of, of shepherding and shepherds is actually kind of this uh, thorn in God's side. It is a constant problem with the people of Israel. Last week, uh, Pastor Andrew uh, talked to us about how God wants to strengthen us, how we need to turn away from idols, and we need to really devote ourselves to trusting the Lord. And that's great, but there's uh, something in the middle there that can actually circumvent that from happening. And, uh, and all, or can actually help really uh, make that process, uh, help, help ensure that that process happens in a powerful way. There is something in the middle there and it's talked about in chapter 10 and it's, it's focused on in chapter 11. So we'll look at it here uh, in chapter, two, uh, chapter 11, uh, sorry, chapter 10 verse 2 uh, says, For the household gods utter nonsense and the diviners see lies, they tell false dreams and give empty consolation. Right, so it's talking about these, these idols and false religions. Um, and then it says, therefore, the people wander like sheep. they are afflicted, They are afflicted for a lack of a shepherd. My anger is hot against the shepherds, and I will punish the leaders. And so as we look at Israel's history of Um, struggling to and ultimately failing to follow God's covenant, one of the main reasons is because of a failure of leadership, a failure of the shepherds uh, to care for God's people. Uh, And so what God has to do is he has to solve the problem of the shepherds. He's got to solve the problem of the bad shepherds um, that kind of sabotage God's plan. And in fact, even to the uh, days of Jesus, he is going to lament the same lament. He's going to look at the crowds, and he's going to say, they are harassed like sheep without a shepherd. Okay, and so God has to solve this problem, and that's what we're going to see in chapter 11. So we're going to see our need for shepherding, the resistance we tend to have to shepherding, and how we can experience our true shepherd. So we're in chapter 11, verse 4. It says, thus says the Lord my God. This is talking to Zechariah. Become shepherd of the flock doomed to slaughter. Those who buy them slaughter them and go unpunished. And those who sell them say, blessed be the Lord. I have become rich and their own shepherds have no pity on them. So God is describing a situation where there is a um, a flock of sheep doomed for slaughter. They're on their way to destruction because they are shepherded by shepherds who do not care about them. In fact, their only real goal is to exploit them. Either to sell them or to buy them so they can slaughter them. Um, And uh, so what this passage is getting at is that God's people are vulnerable. They are vulnerable to being taken advantage of. They are vulnerable to being uh, exploited uh, by uh, shepherds full of self-interest. Um, I, you know, just to kind of highlight the need for shepherding and and how we can be taken advantage of so easily. Um, and I alluded to this last week. But if you uh, has anyone seen the social dilemma about social media apps? So if you watch this, um, it, it's it's it highlights how what social media apps are doing is essentially hacking you, psycho, your psychology. They're hacking your brain, right? And so social, like we're talking Facebook and Twitter, uh, Instagram, apps like that. And I think they start off with a good purpose, right? I think there's utility in these apps. Um, and I've gained from them, probably many of you have as well. Uh, they're not necessarily inherently bad. I think there's a lot of good to them. The problem was is that they had to make money. These apps, these companies, need to figure out a way to make money. And so what uh, the social dilemma, that documentary highlights, is that the way they decided they would make money is on advertising. They're going to advertise to you. And so what that meant, what these uh, social media companies had to figure out, is how to keep you on your screen looking at their app and clicking. They had to figure out what are the things that you are interested in, that you are most likely to click on and potentially spend money on. And they had to figure that out and get it down to a science on how to have you do that. I have experienced that, right? I had to delete social media uh, because they know that I've clicked on certain things I'm trying not to click on, trying not to spend money on. I don't want to spend my time on some of these things. And they know I've done it. So I'll go like a month or two. And I'm like, uh, it's, by the way, what it is, it's mobile games, right? Right? Mobile game, and I don't, I don't, when you read the reviews, they're always like, it's so addicting, I love it. I'm like, no, that's the problem with them. They just suck your life away. And so, and then they'll advertise to me. I'm like, okay, I have to get rid of them. And, uh, and so the point I'm, I'm making there is that, in the social dilemma makes us point, is that you have all these engineers and all these social scientists figuring out how to trap you, and you have no way to withstand that. And it was powerful when they highlighted the CEO who actually brought in the business model of advertising, saying, yeah, I, I, actually in, I actually introduced this model, and I get home, and I get stuck on Pinterest for hours. He even knows what it's doing, and he can't stop it. So what this is highlighting is that we can be taken advantage of by people who have self-interested. We can be exploited, and I think all of us can relate somehow to the feeling of being used, being valued for what we can contribute, being valued for something um, that makes us feel commodified, uh, feeling that we have to constantly prove ourselves to even be of value. And there's people in our lives that have made us feel that way. This is another reason why Mother's Day is so important. This is where you let your mom know you love her as a human being. Please do that, right? Not just what she can give you. But, but we all experience that. I've seen this happen in the church on both sides of the leadership spectrum. You you know you hear about this and you've experienced this when you have uh, people who want, are excited and want to give to the church and you have ambitious leaders and shepherds who take advantage of them, manipulate them, use guilt to motivate them, and, and pretty soon they feel exploited. But I've also seen it the other way around. I've, I've talked to friends who are pastors who've said, yeah, I just, I feel like no one actually cares about me for me. They just want counseling or they want me to lead this or start this, you know? And uh, and so they feel like, pastors can feel like they're not actually seen as human beings, right? And so, by the way, that's not like a passive-aggressive way for me to complain. Um, uh, but I, I think it's just a phenomenon in the church that leaders and members can exploit one another. Um, and so what this amounts to is that there is a need i think we feel in our hearts we long for this is to be protected to be in an environment in a relationship where we can give freely of ourselves without being taken advantage of where um, we can know we are loved for who we are regardless of what we can produce and so the question is where do we find that because the problem is if god is calling us sheep which he does many times the problem with sheep is they are designed to be exploited. That's what they are for, okay? I don't think any of us have sheep just because we love sheep as pets, right? Unless you, maybe you're, you're my 10-year-old daughter, um, right? They're, we have them because they provide something for us. Does that make sense? And so um, what we need is someone that loves the sheep and lo- for being sheep. Where are we going to find that? Who's going to love the sheep just because they're sheep? They're kind of dumb. They're kind of smelly. They're just, you know, but who, so who's going to love them and not exploit them? And so before we can answer that question, though, what we're going to see in this passage is things are going to get worse for Israel before they get better. And so here we see Zechariah. He's, he's living out a, a living parable. He, is, he actually takes on the role of a shepherd to represent Um, a bigger spiritual reality that God is trying to make. He's trying to make a point through Zechariah taking on this role. So let's see what happens when Zechariah becomes the shepherd of the flock doomed for for slaughter. Verse 7. So I became the shepherd of the flock doomed to be slaughtered by the sheep traders, and I took two staffs. One I named favor, the other I named union. Okay, maybe representing, so I'm excited about this endeavor. And I tended the sheep. And in one month, I destroyed the three shepherds, meaning probably the bad ones. But I became impatient with them, meaning the flock. And they, the flock, also detested me. So I said, I will not be your shepherd. What is to die, let it die. What is to be destroyed, let it be destroyed. And let those who are left devour the flesh of one another. So this has not gone well. Um, and let... Uh, And I took my staff favor, and I broke it, annulling the covenant that I made with all the peoples. So it was annulled on that day, and the sheep traders who were watching me knew that it was the word of the Lord. And then I said to them, if it seems good to you, give me my wages, but if not, keep them. And they weighed out as many wages, uh, as my wages, 30 pieces of silver. And then the Lord said to me, throw it to the potter, the lordly price at which I was priced by them. So I took the 30 pieces of silver and threw them in the house of the Lord to the potter. Then I broke my second staff union, annulling their brotherhood between Judah and Israel. And so um, this is what this passage is about. It's, it's negative. It doesn't go well for them. And, uh, and so what's going on is that as Zechariah becomes the shepherd of their flock, he deals with the bad shepherds, but ultimately comes to, comes to odds with the, the flock themselves. They reject him and pay 30 pieces of silver for his time. And so as much as we may long for a loving shepherd, uh, and God's people may want a loving shepherd, is that when he does appear, They end up saying, thank you, but no thank you. Uh, Here is a severance package of 30 pieces of silver. Don't let the door hit you on your way out. And so this represents that when a true shepherd shows up, a good shepherd, God's people said, I don't want that. No thank you. This isn't for me. Please go on your way. So I think it's fair to interpret this passage, first of all, as representing Israel's rejection of their Messiah. And we know this, right? When Jesus came, some of you are familiar with the story. Uh, Israel ultimately rejected him. And Judas betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. And then he felt bad about that, tried to give it back to the high priest. The high priest said, we can't use this money. It's blood money. And so they used it to buy a potter's field. And so, clearly, this passage is ultimately about Christ. And that because they rejected their shepherd when he showed up, um, God, ul- God ultimately rejected and annulled the covenant he had made with Israel. Okay. And so, it depends on how you read Romans 11, whether or not God's going to restore Israel back to a group of people. So, that's outside the scope of this sermon but the idea is there was a significant breaking of God's covenant with Israel because they rejected their Messiah but I believe that rejection is a warning to us that rejection is something we need to pay attention to would we really embrace the shepherd of our souls if he were to show up If the shepherd of our souls were to come, our true shepherd, would we embrace him? And this passage is saying, probably not. Probably not. You would detest him. And so this passage is pointing out the condition of mankind. It's pointing out our condition um, that uh, we need a shepherd. And when God says, I am that shepherd, we say, no, thank you. And so what God has to do is he has to get our attention. We are naturally going to resist him. And so he is going to get our attention. And he is going to say, "Um, if if you're not shepherded by me, you're going to be shepherded by my replacement. The point is, something or someone will shepherd you. There's going to be something in your life, some force, some person, that is going to drive your life. Drive the way you live. And if that is not God, that person or thing will exploit you ultimately. Will devour you ultimately. But there is a purpose even for that. When that happens, there is a purpose behind that. So verse 15. Then the Lord said to me, take once more the equipment of a foolish shepherd. For behold, I... And raising up in the land a shepherd who does not care for those being destroyed or seek the young or heal the maimed or nourish the healthy, but devours the flesh of the fat ones, tearing off even their hooves. And so, the way that God gets our attention, because we naturally resist Him, God says, I am your shepherd. You were created for me, to know me, to feel loved by me. We reject that. We give them a polite severance package. Thank you very much, you can go on your way now. And so God says, okay. Then you are, go- I'm gonna let the abuse of this world and let the foolish shepherds of this world run their course in your life. And so when that happens, we begin to experience what this passage is talking about that some foolish shepherd who wants to exploit us, take advantage of us, use us for whatever reason, we start to feel uncared for, maimed, and exploited. And while sometimes that's not necessarily our fault, some, it's, it's people doing things to us, we can become bitter, we can become disillusioned, and maybe we start exploiting others. There's an idea that if this is the way the world works, that you have to get yours, well then I need to get mine. And maybe unknowingly, unwillingly, we begin to be people who um, take from others to ensure that at least I'm getting what I want out of life, even if it means that others, I have to exploit others. And so um, what's happening there, what what that means is, as this passage is saying, is that ultimately we are being devoured. Our souls, our sense of purpose, our sense of dignity, our sense of right and wrong are slowly but surely being devoured because God is not the shepherd of our souls. And so this other shepherd is stepping in and we are experiencing that. But again, God, when that happens, You have a critical decision to make when you feel that way. Because that means God is trying to get your attention. Because maybe that's where you are at today. Maybe some of you are here and you feel stuck, helpless, maybe bitter and disillusioned with the world or with yourself. But that doesn't have to be the end of your story. Because God has done this for a reason so that you would recognize Jesus as your true shepherd you can come here feeling lost and lame and angry and maimed and the point of that is so that you would hear jesus saying to you i am the good shepherd and so jesus in 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 john chapter 10 he had a famous speech and i believe he had this passage in mind He was aware of this passage. He was aware that people need shepherding and the world was full of selfish traitors, people who want to just take advantage of other people. And so he finally says, he comes and he says, no, I am the good shepherd. All these other shepherds don't really care about you. They may seem like they do, but when push comes to shove, they will abandon you. When they can't get what they want from you, they abandon you. I am not like that. I am the good shepherd and I lay my life down for the sheep. I love the sheep for being sheep. I love you because I love you. And I lay my life down for you. And I call my sheep. I call for them. I seek after them when they are lost and they hear my voice. And they come to me, and I will not lose any of them. I will hold on to you, he says. I will never let you go. And so it turns out that God did break his covenant with Israel. He did. They rejected their Messiah, and he broke that covenant. But the good news of the gospel is that he replaced it with a better covenant. And he said, you know what? This is my son broken for you. And while that that staff was broken because it's a piece of wood, the blood of Jesus has sealed this covenant and that will never be broken. And so now we have favor with God. We have brotherhood with one another because our good shepherd has laid down his life because he loves the sheep. He is the one our souls have been longing for. And he has come. And so part of this passage is to remind us of that. That he is our true shepherd. Let's, let's, let's believe in him. Come to him. Trust him. And some of you need to do that. Some of you may feel that. You feel lost. You feel the abuse of the world. And you need to come to your true shepherd. Do that. Hear his voice calling you. Come to him. If you hear his voice, come to him. He will never let you go. But, if you begin to unpack the story of the gospel, the good news is that Jesus is our true shepherd. We can embrace him by faith, but how do we experience his shepherding? I mean, is it just this like metaphysical idea that he's like, okay, I trust him now? Because here's the thing, it's good news that Jesus laid down his life for his sheep. But what we read is that when he was risen from the grave, he took that life and he went up to heaven. Right? So I, I love that Jesus is our shepherd. I want to be shepherded by him. But then he, he went up to heaven. How do I be shepherded by Jesus when he left? Now there's many ways I can answer that. That's actually a, a bigger theological question. Um, but today... For this passage, um, what I was feeling to let is, is to unpack one key way that God has left for us and has designed for us to experience Jesus Christ as our shepherd. And we get the answers, we get the answer in Ephesians chapter four, verse seven. It says, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, so when he ascended as in left earth he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men right so when when i said that jesus is our shepherd but then he left us actually that wasn't the complete picture it's actually him um being enthroned he didn't just leave us he went to go to be in heaven to rule it's a, it is a sign of his victory. And so when any time a warrior king is victorious, he has the spoils of war. And a good king will share that spoils with um, his subjects. Right? And that's what this passage is saying. He has, he has freed people and he took the spoils of war and he gave gifts to men. What are those spoils? What are the spoils of Christ's victory for us? And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. And so when you believe in the gospel, When you believe in the good news that Jesus has overcome sin, risen from the grave, then you have to believe at the same time that that means that Jesus Christ won for his people faithful shepherds. That is what he is saying, I gave gifts, I gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers, I gave to my church people that I have raised up to shepherd the church. And so that is a part of how God wants us to experience his shepherding is through his faithful shepherds that he has won by his victory on the cross and by his resurrection. You have to believe that. We have to believe that. So what does that mean for how we experience Jesus' shepherding through human shepherds? And so that's how I want to um, finish our time today is I want to unpack that. I just want to look at what does that mean? If our Jesus is the shepherd of our souls, but he went to heaven, then we're experiencing that at least partly, and this isn't the whole answer, but partly through his faithful shepherds that he's given us. So I think the first thing that this means is that the reason that we can experience Christ shepherding through these shepherds is because faithful shepherds shepherd like Jesus. Faithful shepherds shepherd like Jesus. And this passage actually has given us, I think, a good picture of what a faithful shepherd does. It's given us the job description of a Christ-like shepherd in the negative. But let's put it in the positive, right? So I'm talking about verse 17, or it might be 16. I don't have it on the slide, you can follow along, but I'll, I'll summarize what they are. The first thing we see is that uh, faithful shepherds care for those in danger. Faithful shepherds care for those in danger. That word care um, is, the wor- is the word pakad in, in Hebrew. It has this idea of paying attention to, of being um, really uh, diligently looking or inspecting. And so the idea is that shepherds care in the in the, is that uh, meaning they give attention, they pay attention to what's going on in the lives of the sheep. They see people for genuinely being people, and they care for their well-being. They want to understand what's happening. They're attentive, right? And. Uh, Uh, so they're attentive to what's happening what people are going through they care for the sheep they're attentive to the forces that want to hurt god's people they care for those in danger and then this passage says that they seek those who are strained shepherds seek after right they're they're attentive but then they also understand that the sheep will struggle we will struggle in our faith and so shepherds lovingly pursue those who are struggling those who are strained those who are struggling with doubts those who are struggling with sin shepherds engage they pursue they speak God's words into people's lives to help strengthen them to follow God's ways so they they care they seek and then they heal it says you know, the, the, the bad shepherd uh, does not heal the maimed. But here that means that the shepherds are, are people who heal the maimed. They are, um, this, is, uh, this is important because um, it's important to understand that when we're working with people, um, that we are willing to hear their stories. We're willing to understand the hurt, the pain, and trauma that they have been through in their life. People are not just sinners that need to be rebuked. Sometimes we're a little bit too one-dimensional in our approach to discipleship, but they also are people who need healing. They need compassion. They need understanding. They need presence, and, to, and they need to hear um, uh, vulner- vulnerability. And so that itself um, is, is, is very uh, uh, healing. Um, And so shepherds are those who care, who seek, who heal. And it says they nourish. They nourish the healthy. I appreciated this as well. Because I've heard of, of pastors who've actually told their congregation on Sundays that Sundays aren't for you. It's for the people who aren't here. And I struggle with that. I get what they're trying to say. Because we want to seek those who are strained. We want to seek people who are not here. But we also want to nourish God's people. The ones who are coming. The ones who are hungry and want to grow and have braced their shepherd. And so um, true faithful shepherds are not, um, don't feel... Uh, what is it challenged or in rivalry with healthy sheep they are eager to see them grow and flourish and so they want to nourish the healthy they want to feed the sheep who are there Um, and so they are eager to see strong and growing men and women of the faith fed by God's word and lastly they want to protect not exploit so the bad shepherd devours the fat, the fattened sheep, um, the ones that are healthy, devours them. And so uh, good shepherds are careful and vigilant not to exploit, not to take advantage of. They are happy to see members rest, spend time with family. And they don't burden them too much with guilt-driven responsibilities and keep people in line with fear and, and manipulating approval. Faithful shepherds are diligent to avoid any of that. So faithful shepherds shepherd like Jesus. But the other thing we need to realize is that faithful shepherds are not Jesus, right? They are not Jesus. And so we see this clearly in 1 Peter 5. This is Peter, he says this, I exhort the elders among you as fellow elders and a witness of the sufferings of Christ as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. And when the chief shepherd appears, you see that? There is a chief shepherd and it's not the current shepherds. There is a a chief shepherd that is coming, you will receive. If you do that faithfully is what uh, Peter is saying, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. I can really feel what this passage is saying lately. I have come in as the uh, new associate pastor, been here for nine months. Andrew is our, uh, the founding pastor, the lead pastor, been here 17 years. And uh, as the associate pastor, I have to lead half of the staff meetings. So half of the staff meetings, he's not there. I'm leading the staff and half of the ones, he's here, he's there. And so there is a contrast that I get to feel when he's there and when he's not there, right? When I'm leading the meeting as the new associate, it's encouraging, it's good, but it can feel a little dicey. You know, I don't know if the staff feel this, but it's like, okay, you know, how's this really going? But when Andrew's there, and I don't know if the other staff feel this, I certainly feel a sense of confidence. I'm like, okay, it's going to be okay. (laughs) we're going to take care of things and it's going to work out. It's okay, right? And um, I I think this is, that's kind of what this passage is saying is that the shepherds currently are a bunch of little associate shepherds. They're they're not, and it's like we're in a, basically the church age is this like 2,000 year staff meeting with the associate pastor. It's good, but it's a little dicey. You know what I mean? And we we like it when the the lead pastor is there and it feels a little more like, yes, this is going in the right direction. So that's where we're at. And for whatever reason, this must be a grace to God's people. This must be a gift. This is how God wants it to be. He wants us to work through this, this season, this age of having human shepherds who are one of us, broken men and women like us. And yet God is going to work powerfully through that. God is gonna manifest his glory through that. And so just thinking about this idea that these shepherds are not Jesus, um, just speaking to those who are shepherds, what I'll say to you is that you need to continue to just be faithful. You're not Jesus and so you have not arrived. You will never have arrived. And so your job is to look at that list, look at the list of what an unfaithful shepherd is Make that a positive and and just continue to grow, to care, to seek after, to heal, to nourish, to protect. Just continue to pursue faithfulness. Accept that you will fail. And of course that means as a church, the shepherds, we need to rely on a plurality of shepherds. There needs to be a group of shepherds who better reflect the fullness of the role of Jesus Christ as our shepherd. Because some shepherds are better at seeking. Some are better at protecting. Some are better at nourishing. And so we need a plurality of shepherds so we get the full effect of Jesus as our good shepherd and being working through these group of people. And so, um, go back to the last slide before that. Yeah, just stay there. Um, And... Uh, but, so, I, and so let, me, let me speak to you as the church. What does that mean that our shepherds are not Jesus? Well, I think first of all, you need to recognize, you need to be gracious with, these, with your shepherds. They are people in progress. They have not arrived. And that is the lens which you need to, to see them through. Because if we're not careful, we can look at our shepherds and begin to see all the ways in which they are failing. All the things that they don't do, but I think part of what God is calling us to do is to say, "But do we see God's grace in their life? Do we see how they are um, representing um, the gifts that God has given to them? Right? Do we see how God is empowering them? Yes, they have shortcomings, and so God's people, we have to, we have to, we have to be able to view pe- uh, our shepherds like that. We can't just go all negative on them. We don't necessarily need to be just." rosy-colored glasses on them and and I'm not saying we can't be critical of them at times, but big picture Are we seeing them as men and women in in, in, uh, 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 in progress like all of us are and So we have to be gracious and yes, we need to be discerning. We do have human beings as shepherds, so we need to be discerning uh, We do need to be willing um, to feel confident that our shepherds are godly. We should have a robust process for discerning who are in positions of leadership. I think shepherding is a gift that doesn't require a leadership position. But we also want to elevate people into leadership roles. So we need to have a discerning process. Um, We covenant to give our elders and pastors and leaders a ton of influence in our life. That's what the church is. As we say, help help shepherd me, help guide me. We say that to our elders and pastors. And so we need to be uh, discerning about who those people are. My last point then, desire to shepherd for Jesus. We need shepherds. And so... If you saw that list of caring and seeking and nourishing, protecting, healing, if that excited you, that might be the Lord. We need shepherds. We need men and women who have a heart for these things. And we need need to see you use your giftings. Yes, sometimes in a leadership role, But we need it all over the church. Um, And so that is my prayer and hope, is that God would, um, Jesus Christ would shepherd us and that we would believe and trust that he is shepherding us as he raises up faithful shepherds because of the gospel, because of the work of the cross. And, um, And that means he's using us. He is directly shepherding us through one another yes he went up to heaven but he said amazingly he said but you will do greater works than I've done it's actually better that I've gone and we're experiencing that let's believe that let's lean into that let's pursue that let's discern God's calling on our lives so that we can experience our true shepherd let me pray Father God, thank you for revealing this to us, showing this to us. We meditate, we rejoice, we receive that you are our true shepherd. You are the good shepherd who laid down your life. But Lord, you did more than just lay down your life. You have won a victory for us and you have raised up the spoils of that victory. The shepherds that we have um, to represent you until you come again so lord, would you continue to raise up faithful shepherds in this church who seek and care and heal and nourish and protect and may we experience you through that and lord help us in the interim period where we're a bunch of a little associate shepherds where there will be failure there will be misses there will need to be repentance and help us let all that be to your glory as we um are eager to forgive eager, eager to repent eager to hear and understand one another. And we pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.